All right, go ahead and pull out your worship guides with us along with the Rock Church pen. We're going to get rolling here. Um, today, we're starting a brand new series called What Matters. Can everyone say What Matters? This new series called What Matters, and it seems like we live in a day and age where everyone is trying to uh, get their opinions on there, and they want their opinions heard because they believe their opinions matter, and opinions and freedom of speech is a great thing, um, but over the last couple of years, um, we have been in the transition of becoming our own entity, kind of standing on our own feet. To give a little bit of history, if you're new with us, or if you joined us in the last year or so, you may not know the entire story, so let me kind of start a couple of years ago uh, to kind of catch you up of what's been happening. Um, I got here about four and a half years ago um, uh, ago to pastor this church under the covering of another rock church in Scotts Bluff. If you go to Scotts Bluff, there's another rock church up there. It's a great church. I encourage you, if you're ever in the area, go in there and uh, attend there and see what it looks like and what it's all about. Um, but over the course of two years, uh, this church has operated underneath the umbrella of the sister church in Scotts Bluff, which meant we did a lot of things similar. We did a lot of things the same way, and it was good. It helped us out a lot, and we came down on her. We took on the same name, and we had the same values and mission. Uh, we did the same uh, series and messages uh, and the worship and all those different things, which wasn't bad. Being under Scott's Bluff was truly a blessing, and, uh, and it saved us a few times financially. It provided great wisdom during some hard times here at the Rock Church. But about two years ago, um, the Holy Spirit uh, laid it on the leadership's heart, my heart, and Tyson, Pastor Tyson from Scott's Bluff on his heart as well to uh, go ahead and ordain me. And so we had an ordination service. It was really great. A lot of you guys were there. And that was kind of the kickoff of the Rock Church here in North Platte being its own entity. And uh, so what happened is they stepped aside. I became the lead pastor of our church. And we began the process of really becoming our own church. And it was very similar to almost like when a teenager steps out and becoming an adult for the first time, right? Uh, and you guys have teenagers in the house that stepped out being an adult, right? We, we, we kind of did the same where, where we were kind of a teenager and we're like, man, I've got this. We're good to go. I got the whole world figured out. See you later, mom and dad. I've got this, right? What usually happens in that teenager? falls flat on their face, right? Uh, we didn't do that, but we had some growing experiences to go through. And so uh, we began to do our own uh, message series and we started doing our own bookkeeping. Really quick, will you get, she's not here today, but can you guys give it up for uh, Deb uh, this morning, Deb Hildebrand? Uh, she uh, volunteers to do the books, and uh, doing books for the church is not an easy task, and she has done an amazing job. So if you see Deb Hildebrand, give her a kudos, give her a fist bump, high five, or whatever, and let her know that we appreciate her. Um, but we started doing our own bookkeeping, and then last year, uh, we started doing a few new ministries that were unique to us, like we have a rock youth. If you have a uh, student that is from 6th to 12th grade, we have a youth group that they can attend. It's an amazing youth group uh, with Autumn and Jared Cole. Uh, we also started doing a Wednesday night ministry called SLAM, um, which is all for the kiddos beneath those grades um, from kindergarten up to fifth grade. I'm looking for my leaders to make sure I have it right. Um, they gave me a thumbs up. Yep, so I'm communicating it right. Um, but if you got a student, they can attend that. And these are ministries unique to us. These are kind of our ministries. Now, if you're kind of new to church, this might not seem like a lot of like news or why do we need to know this. Um, but in this series, we're kind of, this is the series that is the final step, in my opinion, that to become 
our own rock church. And I'm very excited about this, and I pray that you guys are going to be excited about this. Um, But things have been going great, and they are great. And then about a year ago, God started to lay something new on my heart. That was kind of really what I just said, the last thing we needed to do to become our own church, to kind of complete this transition process, and to truly become our own. And that was really kind of rethinking our values, what matters to us as the Rock Church, a new mission, what we believe God is calling us in North Platte to do in our community, in our state, and through globally. And so my wife and I, we prayed and we hashed out a lot of different things. Uh, So we made uh, a shift last year. Uh, If you guys were here last year, the word that the Holy Spirit gave us was the word shift. And so we now being in 2020, we can look back on 2019 and say, yes, God did a lot of different things. He really made it a shift in our culture. And so we did a lot, a lot of new things. And so um, to kind of put it from a bird's eye view, uh, we kind of step back and we want to see what truly mattered to us as the rock church. The thing with values with a church is they're not something that you want to create and then you have the church to go then abide by. Values are already there. Believe it or not, you have values that you live by right now. You have a code that you live by, whether you have it written out on a statement or not. I encourage you to have them written out. My family, we have family values that we abide by. Um, But you have a way that you live this life and the same way goes for the church. We have values that we already operate as. And so Jill and I, my wife and I, we just stepped back. We're like, hey, what is really valuable to us here at The Rock Church? And we started watching um, how we behave, uh, where our money is being spent, uh, because if you want to know what's important to you, watch where your money goes, right? Um, we watched where we spend our money. We watched uh, how we did outreaches and our message series and really where, where we want to be going and where we are now. And so over the course of five to six weeks, we're going to be going over these values. We have five values over five weeks. And the sixth week, we'll be going over our mission and vision. So I encourage you, don't check out be here on Sunday and tune in because this is really going to determine the trajectory of the Rock Church. We have prayed, we have fasted over these things, and we believe this is really what God is calling us to. And so we want to really state out these values. So when we go through the series, take a lot of notes, uh, be open to what we're going to be talking about, and really be ready for God to move. Because once we declare these things, church, we will be tested in these things. When we say these matter to the Rock Church, we're going to have pushbacks saying, do they really matter? Because you don't know what's valuable to you until you're in the heat of the moment, right? And so this is why we're going through this. So be ready for God to move and be ready for some pushback. So to start this series off, talking about what matters, open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 through 17. If you don't have a Bible, you got free ones back there. Um, we also got in your worship guide notes and the screens behind me. Um, but Paul is writing to Timothy And he's talking about the value of God's word and why it's so important to the church. And he shares exactly why it's important and exactly what the word does. Check this out. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 16. It says this. It says all scripture. Everyone say all scripture. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, it meaning scripture, God uses scripture to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. So here's what matters to the Rock Church, value number one. And all these 
values, the five values. They don't outmeasure one or the other. This happens to be just the first one. But the first thing that matters to the Rock Church, we believe here, is Scripture matters. Scripture matters. And this is why, and this is kind of the statement, as if you want to kind of make a uh, kind of a, this is who I am. This is what we put. Scripture matters. We will hold fast to God's word as it is our guide and absolute authority in everything. Let me say it one more time. We will hold fast to God's word as it is our guide and absolute authority in everything. Now, you will notice some of the words here, and they seem very dogmatic, meaning like it's, it's kind of like this way or the highway. And it seems like that's kind of it. And if I can be honest and step on a little bit of toes here, that's on purpose. Because we believe when it comes to Scripture, Scripture matters to us. It's not Scripture and this self-help book. It's not Scripture and this influential speaker. Scripture matters. And we believe Scripture is absolute truth. We believe that there are no ifs, ands, and buts, and we believe Scripture holds the answers to a lot of things that we walk through today. And that seems very counterculture because it is. Because while the world says, hey, it's, it's good if you want to shack up and kind of play parenthood or whatever you want to do, but Scripture says, hey, um, if you want to have sex and if you want uh, to have a life with someone else, then get married, right? Right? I, I know. <laughs> I'm getting ready. Lord Jesus, help me. But it, it, it's, it's, it's very, it, it's plain Jane. It's scripture matters. And this is what scripture says, and this is what the world says. And really, we're called to be holy, which is just a churchy word to be set apart. And when you believe that scripture matters, and scripture is absolute authority and has absolute truth over your life, you will be set apart. Now, what I don't mean with this is taking the Bible and going out to Walmart after this and start whacking people over the heads and saying, Scripture matters, scripture matters. Don't do that, please. That is not good. But I am telling you, while the world is running around trying to find answers in all these different areas of their life, we hold fast to scripture. We believe scripture has a lot of the answers that we are seeking, and that will set you apart. And I wish every church believes this about scripture, but it seems like more and more churches are just getting away from what is recorded in Scripture and recorded in this book that we call the Bible. But not us. We're going to stick with it. We're going to believe it, and that could mean that our church dwindles down in numbers, or it could mean that we can grow. I believe God is going to grow us to by holding fast to Scripture because Scripture matters. So this is why it really, really matters if you want to stick with me. The Bible is full of stories and morals and principles and doctrines, which are all really, really great things. But the verse we read, I think, really sums up why Scripture is so important and why it should be important for you. So if you kind of stick with me, bear with me, I want to give you just four reasons why Scripture should matter to you and four reasons why Scripture matters to us as the Rock Church. I want to read the Scripture just one more time, and then we'll break it down. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So, why does scripture matter to us? Scripture matters, number one, scripture reveals us. 
Scripture reveals us. That's the first point in your notes. James 1.22 says, Scripture is like a mirror. In fact, let me read it to you. This is what it says. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must actually do what it says. I mean, parents, how many times have you said that to your kids? Like, don't just hear the words coming out of my mouth. Just get up and do what I said to do, right? Why? Because your kid's not going to learn what the wisdom coming out of your mouth until they actually put it into practice, same thing goes with scripture. You can hear me preach for hours and hours and hours and hours, but guess what? If you don't apply it, it's not going to do any good in your life. Until you actually apply it and practice it, then you begin to see a change. And that's why it says, don't just listen to God's word, do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to a word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, then you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You see, Scripture reveals you. Scripture is like a mirror that when we look into it, it reveals who we truly are. It shows our true, true reflection. Now, I can see by the faces right now, some of you are like, okay, I can dig that. Some of you are like, I don't want to look in that mirror. Like, at all. Because Scripture reveals your true reflection, just like what we just saw, what we just read. It's going to reveal what's going good in your life. But if you keep reading it, it's also going to tell you some things that you need to work on, right? Like, you're really good at loving people, but you need to maybe clean up on your gossip. Like, you're really good at going to church, but you really need to get it kind of, your act in order about reading Scripture more than just on Sunday. You see, the Bible will tell you these things if you read it. That's why Scripture really matters. James goes on, he says, if we look at a reflection and then we just shrug and walk away, we actually forget what we look like. He's, it's almost like coming to church today and saying, yeah, Vaughn, good word. I loved it. Music was awesome. Shrug. See you next Sunday. Today is not going to have any real impact on your life unless you pick it up tomorrow and apply it. Just like if you look at a mirror, you kind of see reflection for a little bit, oh, I look good enough, and you go on your way. Or you can really, really look hard in the mirror of Scripture, and you can say, yeah, I, I need to do that better. Yeah, I, I, I could pick it up in this area. You see, church, I think we make the mistake, the mistake of merely taking a glimpse of the Bible, only taking glimpses of Scripture, thus only getting a glimpse of our truer selves. You know, we're in this new year, and everyone's on this kick, just like every year, of like, you know, it's a new year, new me type thing. And we all want to become a better selves, right? That's kind of the goal of this whole new year. If you, but if you want to become a better you, let me put it, if you want me to become a better follower of Christ, read scripture. Read the Bible. Don't just take glimpses of it, but actually digest it. Read it. Pick it up. Study it. If you guys ever come to our house, you'll see a uh, mirror that is bolted to the bottom of our kitchen wall. And it looks really weird if you don't know why it's there. It looks kind of weird, like, Von Weiser, a mirror on the bottom of the wall. Do you have, like, a foot thing? Like, what's going on? Do you want to see? It's just, it's just weird. It's awkward. But the reason we have a mirror there is our oldest child, Aspen, is diagnosed with Down syndrome. Many of you know that. She's five years old, uh, and she's doing awesome right now. So thank you for your guys' prayers. Um, but uh, when we found out that she was diagnosed with trisomy uh, 21, um, that 
the first thing the doctors tried to do was saying, hey, um, you might not want to keep her because she's going to have all these faults and listed all these faults out. And it's easy to say, yeah, keep babies and, and you know, we're all for life until it's actually your baby. And you have this choice of, oh my goodness, like, what do we do? And so we, we prayed, not to, on the whole abortion aspect, but we prayed, like, God, would you give us faith that when we say yes to the doctors tomorrow, we're going to keep this child, that everything's going to work out. Like, would you help us in this area? Because if Aspen's born and she's not going to be able to walk, if she's going to be fed through a tube her entire life, if she's going to be nonverbal her entire life, like, Lord, that's going to be really hard for us. But you're God, and we're going to believe what you're going to do. And so we went to the doctors, and uh, we looked through the whole list. And the biggest thing with kids with Down syndrome is their verbal skills. And so we made a commitment to ourselves as parents to say, hey, we're not going to treat her any differently than any other kid, and we're not going to make up excuses for things that she can't do. And we're not going to be harsh on her when she can't do certain things. And so as soon as she was able to work on her motor function and these things, we got this big old mirror and we bolted it to the bottom of this kitchen wall. And we're hoping that she would just sit in front of the mirror and just begin to make faces at herself. We didn't force her in front of the mirror, but she naturally went to this mirror and she started making faces. First, it was just kind of funny. She had this monkey face where she'd pull in her ears and blow up her cheeks and it was cute and all that stuff. Like you guys saw that. Um, but uh, she began to say uh, vowels and goes, ooh, ah, and she gets to see herself in the mirror. The mirror, because of what she did for hours on end, today she is still a little nonverbal, but she is way ahead on the charts than a typical kid with Down syndrome. And we credit it, number one, to God, but we also credit it to this mirror because she would sit there for hours watching her face, how her muscles move, and she saw that, hey, I need to work on this a little bit. You see, a mirror will let you know what you need to work on. A mirror will show you where you are currently, and a mirror reveals all the good things and the bad things. And scripture does exactly that. Scripture works the same way. It reveals who you are. It allows us to see your reflection. It shows the good, and it shows the places where we can work on. But if you only spend time in Scripture just on Sunday, you're not going to be as far as you would be a person that would spend time in the mirror every single day. Just like if Aspen just spent just an hour of the week, it probably wouldn't have done any good. But she was there in front of the mirror working on her vowels and her muscle movements and all these things, hours for every single day. And because of that, she's further along. I would think the same thing happens when we spend scripture every day. We spend time in scripture every single day. So we must make scripture our personal mirror and constantly look at ourselves through the mirror of scripture. Here's the second one. The reason why scripture matters to us, point number two, is scripture grows us. Scripture grows us. In the light of the new year, I just talked about this, a lot of us have new year resolutions, and sadly, most of them, at least mine, it seems like every year, most of them will be gone by March. Like, we're going to forget about it, or we failed at it, we're like, oh, that's too much, and like March moves on, and we go on. Uh, my, big, my biggest one is every year I make a commitment, like, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to lose some weight. Every, is anyone here with me on that one? Like, any account of, so, some of you guys are like really like, I don't know if I should raise my hand. Like, <laughs> I'll be right there with you in March when we're not at the gym and we're at Perkins just eating all the pie, right? Like, I'll be right there with you. But the new year speaks something to us where we just want to grow personally. 
Like we want to be better people. We want to be better this year and hopefully see a positive change in who we are. And it's like we want to see a before and after photo. We want to see what we look like in the beginning of 2020. And when next year rolls around, we want to take another snapshot and say, did I do any growth here? Is there a difference? Am I a better person compared to the beginning of the year to now? Am I a different person? Am I a better person? And we wanna see a positive difference because we want to grow as a person. I don't know what your plans are for your personal growth are for this new year, but I do want to share with you that the best personal growth plan for you, for you, is scripture. The best personal growth plan for you is scripture because scripture grows you. It matures you as a Christian. I, I did some studying uh, this commentary of mine and it said this about the scripture and growth. And so I stole it from him. And so this is not unique to me, but I'm like, I'm gonna share it with you because I'm like, I can't say any better than this guy did. This is what he says. He says, scripture grows you in four ways. Check this out. You guys can, you guys can write this down. It says, scripture grows us in doctrine, meaning what is right. That's number one. Scripture then grows us in reproof, which means what is not right. Scripture grows us in correction, meaning how to get it right. And then scripture grows us in righteousness, how to stay right. So let me say it one more time. Scripture grows us in what is right. Scripture grows us in what is not right. Scripture grows us in how to get it right. Then scripture grows us on how to stay right. And really, if you take a step back from this, this is actually a recipe for personal growth. Personal growth is like the biggest, trendiest thing that's happening right now. If you go to Barnes and Nobles or if you go to Amazon and you look at any books, a lot of them are personal growth books. Like everyone wants to be a better person today. Everyone wants to be a positive. They want to be a difference maker. They want to do all these different things. And so they go to these books, but I would argue the best personal growth plan that you can read is scripture. Because guess what? You can run to all these different books, but you will start finding Christian flavors in all these different books. Because really, if you want to get down to it, it was Christians that the ones that are starting, hey, we're going to set ourselves apart. We're going to have better morals for this life. In fact, it was interesting, Brad Stein, the comic that we had a couple weeks ago, I had the uh, opportunity to drive him to Scott's Bluff for a second show, so I spent three and a half hours with a comic, which I thought was going to be like, he's going to tell me jokes the whole time, it's going to be laughing, it's going to be awesome. That dude loves philosophy. Do you know what we talked about for three and a half hours? Biblical philosophy. And I learned a lot. Holy cow, I don't need to go to seminary anymore because this guy, he laid it out. But he started talking about like just the, the, the trend of just wanting to do good, to be good, to be a better person. He says, you can trace that all back to all these different religions if you want to, but all of them will hit a dead end except for Christianity. Because it was the Christians, while all the, while all the other uh, uh, religions were saying, do you know what? If this baby's not good enough, throw it in the sewer. Uh, if you're not, uh, if the, you don't like your marriage, just go and divorce, it's okay. Hey, if you don't believe in this way, then you can believe all these different ways. And, and it's all these different things. But he says, it was the Christians that once said, were the only ones that said, this is right and this is wrong. And so all these trends that we try to read and, and, and to digest and to be just a good person really comes back down to scripture. 
And so I would just suggest this to you. Yes, read those books. I read development books as well, but like make scripture a priority this year. Read it, digest it. And I'm not talking about you need to read like, you know, numbers one through five on your first day. Please don't read the book of numbers on your first day. Like you will fall asleep. It is, <laughs> it's not the best book to start with. But start at John in the New Testament and read six, script, six verses. And bite that off, chew on it, study it a little bit. If I can be honest, as your pastor, I only study for my personal Bible study. I only study, not counting my time of praying and journaling, I only read 10 minutes a day. Because I don't really believe if you read six chapters, you're really not going to retain too much. I read 10 minutes. And then if you want to go further, then I study it, I journal on it, and I pray about it. And that alone takes about 30 minutes out of the day. If you can be really honest, you spend more time on your Facebook page more than 30 minutes a day. Or on TV or doing something else. It doesn't take too much time. I would encourage you guys to start that. So if you step back, that's a recipe for growth. And you can apply it to any goal that you have, but really make Scripture matter in your life this year. If you want to grow as a Christian, Scripture is an essential part. And that is why it matters, because Scripture grows us. In fact, the Bible is really extreme about growth. You want to read a personal growth book? Check out this um, scripture, Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 3. This is what the author says about personal growth and really why scripture grows us. He says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again and again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely, I love this part, surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And really, if we can be honest, this is where we Christians, we stop at. This is where we stop at in our personal growth with Jesus. Like, yes, Jesus came, was born, he died and raised again. And I said, yes, I got baptized, I'm good to go. There's my maturity right there. And I'm telling you right here, Hebrews says, don't just stop there. That's like Christianity 101. That's like the baby step for a Christian. He says this in verse 3, he says, And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. So in other words, let's grow. Let's grow as Christians. Let's actually read scripture. Let's actually open up the Bible and see what it all says. Let's actually read the biographies of Jesus and the gospels. Let's dive in the Old Testament and read the histories of the Jewish faith. Let's let's actually understand what we're doing, what we're living, what we're breathing. Let's become more in our understanding with our faith. And you can do that through scripture because scripture reveals us Scripture grows us, and here's a third one, point number three. Scripture equips us. Scripture equips us. Um, I made it a goal in my junior high and high school year to play every sport that was uh, kind of available to me. And I did every sport except for track because that's the devil's sport. Like, I don't know who just wants to run and run and run and run for end on end and end. It's just, ugh, I, I, I skipped that one, but I did everything else. So I, I did football, I did wrestling, I did basketball, I did all those, all those sports. But I fell in love with two sports. First sport I fell in love with was, was wrestling. I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I, I love wrestling because it's, it's all about physical strength and it's just, are you stronger than this person? Are your techniques better than this person? I love that. But the second sport I really fell in love with was football. I loved football. I was pretty decent at football. I played football um, uh, since I was a 
a peewee uh, football player, clear up through high school. I just loved it. And when it came to football, there was one day that all of us football players loved the most. It wasn't two-a-days. It wasn't, we had three days at one season. Uh, it wasn't any of those times, but the favorite day that we had was gear day. Gear day meant you get to open up the big mysterious room that no one knew about in the high school, and it was filled with all the football gear. And our school was pretty, uh, was pretty blessed because we would have new gear pretty much every year. So we would figure out, oh my goodness, like what's the gear we're going to get? But here's the thing with football gear. Football gear was different depending on the position that you played. And so for those of you who don't know football, um, I was a defensive end and a right tackle. And what I did, my shoulder pads were bigger and bulkier than the one that the wide receiver had. My gloves that I got was filled with more padding around the knuckles, though quarterback's gloves were very thin and just looked like he had no gloves at all. I don't know why they didn't have gloves, but they got gloves. Um, the, they had, I had collars around my shoulder pads. Have you guys seen those football players with the big old high collars around them? All us linemen, we had collars on. And then we even had braces on our knees because we were already kind of bigger guys and we had to take on this bigger guy. And I loved our position because all our equipment meant said, you get to hit the person in front of you and not get in trouble for it. I loved it. I loved it. But all this gear, all this new gear that we had, everything was different. The helmet was different. The visors were different. Uh, the gloves, all of it. And even some of my friends with, with the collars and the braces, all of this was different. And it equipped us to do our job the best that we could do. It made us adequate in our calling, if you will. Scripture does the exact same thing. Scripture equips you as a Christian. You get your gear, you get all your equipment, everything that you need to be the best Christian that you can possibly be. Scripture gives you that. A lot of times I, I think we think we need to be a Christian or to be an influential Christian. We need to have a platform or we need to go to seminary. We need to do this. We need to do that. Or I need to be saved since I was six years old. Or I need to have generations of Christians in my household in order to be a good Christian. And really, that's all for nothing. The best Christian that you could possibly be, if you want to be that person, open up Scripture and read it and let it equip you to do the work that God has called you to do. It equips you in so many different areas. I usually have a verse for each point, but with this one, there are so many verses. I'm just gonna show you different areas it can equip you in, and you guys can take these notes. So we got slides. But hey, if you want to be a good financial steward, read Proverbs 13, 11, Luke 12, 15, Luke 14, 20 through 30, Hebrews 7, 5 through 9. And really, to be financial, good financial stewards, to make good money decisions, the Bible speaks more about that than heaven and hell combined. It's interesting. Read the Bible about how to handle your money well. If you want to be equipped to be a missionary in your community, to, to, to go out to your job and to reach people, read 1 Peter 3, 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Timothy 2. It equips you to be a missionary in your local community. If you want to be equipped to be, have a better marriage and to be a better spouse, read Mark chapter 10, Colossians 3, Genesis chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 13. If you want to be equipped with wisdom and discernment and figure out how to make good choices in this life. Philippians chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 4, John chapter 7, 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And if you just want to have wisdom in everyday difficult decisions, like the current ones that our state right now are wrestling with, with different lifestyles, behaviors, and marriages, and, 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 and choice in life, and all those different things, just read Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Scripture points to majority, if not everything that we wrestle with today. And that is why scripture matters. It has answers. A lot of times we make the issue of if we don't agree with the answers. And when we don't agree with scripture, then we make up our own answer. And then we make things even worse. So scripture reveals us, it grows us, it equips us. And here's the last one as to why scripture matters to us. If the worship team, if you want to come up. Point number four, this is why scripture really matters to us. Scripture points to Jesus. Scripture points to Jesus. This book, the Bible that we have, has proved itself over and over again. Don't pack up yet, church, because this is kind of the high point of it. The Bible has proved itself over and over and over again. The Bible, Scripture, this book has outsold every book by miles since we started selling the Bible. But even if you look into the letters, the recordings, the biographies of Jesus, the accounts they tell, they prove themselves all over again. You see, here's the thing with the Bible. Scripture doesn't need a second party to prove that it's true. You say that again. Scripture doesn't need a second party or a third party to prove that the Bible is true. The Bible, you read all the accounts and you can find them in the timeline of history. You can read all the different things. You want the Old Testament, you want to see the Old Testament come to life and know if it's true? Go to Israel with me and you get to see the entire Old Testament. It's hard to come back from Israel and saying, oh, I don't believe what happened in the Old Testament. But you go there and you can see the whole thing come to life. Even when you go to deeper, the Gospels of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of these recordings were scattered across the Middle East and they were found. And all of these recordings of, of Jesus' life, they all tell of the same story. And it's no coincidence that these four authors saw and wrote about the same Jesus. They proved themselves to be true. The Old Testament manuscripts were found in just pieces across the Middle East, but when they were put together, they all, again, told the same timeline. All these pieces dated thousands of years ago. The Dead Sea Scrolls that, that were found in, in the Qumran settlement that housed over 900 manuscripts, which housed every part of the Old Testament except for Esther and Nehemiah. All these dated 150 BC. All of them told of the same story. Over a thousand different articles displayed the entire Bible. And here's the coolest thing about all of this. In the Old Testament manuscripts, there are 300 prophecies that tells of this coming Messiah. And they were written in a span of a thousand years by different people and Jesus, in the span of just three years in his ministry, fulfilled every one of them. You see, there's a lot of people that come claiming to be the Messiah. 
There's plenty of people in the past, and there's going to be plenty of people in the future. But none of them came close to fulfilling just one. Said that, hey, the Messiah needed to be born in Bethlehem. Yep, Jesus did that. Hey, he's going to be dying on the cross. He's going to be persecuted. He's going to die. Yep, he did that. He's going to be pushed away by, from his own people. Yep, that happened to Jesus. He's going to perform miracle signs and wonders. Yep, Jesus did that. They're all recorded. You see, Scripture points to Jesus Christ every single time. And how do I know all of this? Read Scripture. Read Scripture. A lot of people come across my office and say, Vaughn, I'm, I'm having this issue in my life. I'm having these doubts about my faith. I'm having these areas I'm struggling in. And I'll ask them, hey, tell me about your day. And they'll say, well, I'll wake up. I did my thing. I was on Facebook for a little bit. I was on my phone, got the kids ready, argued with my spouse, went to work, came home, did some more social media, ate with the kids, did more social media. Here's the thing. Scripture has truth. And I would tell you that if you just take five minutes out of the day and make scripture matter to your own personal life, it'll make a difference. Because whether you know it or not, if you're not pulling truth from scripture, you're pulling truth from somewhere else. And I put that truth in quotations because it's not gonna help you out. In fact, if I can be super blunt and honest, because I have plenty of time according to the countdown clock, is the Bible has more truth and more help than CNN or Fox. And I have found out that Christians pull more of their opinion and truth from their news media than the Bible. And I'm telling you, when you do that, I'm not, I'm not I watch those networks and all those things, but let me tell you, when things hit the fan and we're wondering what's going to happen in our world, I run a scripture and I read and God speaks. I want to encourage you, church, to make this practical in your life, to make scripture matter because scripture matters to the rock church. We got to get back to this and read it and study it for ourselves because you cannot rely on institutions to teach it to you to teach the values of Jesus to your children. You got to devote yourself and hold fast onto God's word and it was, it'll help you separate lies from truth, darkness from light, wrong from right. And that is why it's of value. I'm gonna read that value one more time because scripture matters. It matters so much that we're gonna hold fast onto God's word as it is our guide and absolute authority in everything. And in fact, I put the word in there in everything because if you translate it down to the original Hebrew, do you know what it means? Everything. No ifs, ands, or buts. It holds true in everything. So here's a few things that you can do to make it practical to you. Number one is if you don't have a Bible, get one. We've got free ones back there. If your kid doesn't have a Bible, someone generously donated a lot of money so we can buy really nice kids' Bibles. We'll give you, your kid, a Bible for free. We've got them, just ask. Also, if you don't know today, 
because of the 21st century. There's an app for everything. So if you can download this app on your phone, it's called Version. It is a Bible app that I personally use for a lot of my stuff. And there are thousands of devotions that are, that are catered to exactly the season of life that you're in. And you can read from there. The third thing is this, is just participate in a daily reading plan. Again, go to Version, find a devotion. If you need to find one, you can go to the Bible bookstore just right across the street over there and find one from them. There's some really great ones. But get some scripture in your hands. And don't make the Bible a coaster on your coffee table. Don't let it collect dust. Read it, open it, and let your kids see you read it. It does wonders for your family. So get a Bible in your hands. Scripture matters. If you guys want to bow your heads.